Welcome, beautiful souls. I'm your guide, Kato. I am a wild woman, spiritual teacher, and evolutionary astrologer. This is where I share my astrological wisdom, spiritual insights, and embodiment practices so you can live a more fulfilled life. I am here to usher you into your highest self and expand your consciousness. Welcome to As Above, So Below. Hello, Fish. I'm so excited to be sitting in the space today with you. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thanks, Kato. Good to meet you. Yeah, amazing. So, Fish, you are a heart coach, you are a yoga teacher, and a transformational facilitator based in Australia. And when I look at your natal chart, you are a Cancer Sun with both your Moon and Rising in Scorpio. So, there's a lot of water there. Uh, but your note node is actually in the third house, and your Venus and Saturn are in Gemini in the seventh house. I really believe, like, like with your note node in the third house, that your purpose, like why you have reincarnated back into this lifetime, has really to do with like developing the tools around communication and I'm like very curious like you know like how did you start with this whole journey wow (laughs) how many hours do you have um really I mean you know like if I look back at me as a child I was the I was the peacekeeper you know I was the I was the one who would I would be noticing how everyone was, my sisters, my mom, my dad, my my parents were divorced when I was very young. So it was constantly kind of aware of like, how is everyone, is everyone happy? And I felt, Mm. I felt happy when everyone was happy. And I felt a little bit kind of unsafe or unsteady when there was, there was conflict or upset. Um, So I think that's where it began. And then, you know, kind of mid, midway point, of my life, I started to work with, uh, I started to become a facilitator working with human beings who were finding it difficult to have the kinds of conversations that they needed to have with each other to find some freedom. So first of all, that was in the corporate market, working with conflict in teams, in in businesses. And, you know, very quickly I started to realise that the most important impact I could have is actually in the personal life of people rather than the business life of people, you know, because if we're an employee of a company, we're less likely to want to resolve conflict at work because we can leave it at work and we can come home. But where the real difference can be made is like right in the heart of people's romantic relationships, Mm -hmm. parenting relationships, sibling relationships. Um, you know, so I just became fascinated with what switches us on and opens our heart to one another and what switches us off and closes our heart to one another. And so just for years now, I've just been fascinated by conflict, starting to see the mechanism that's not personal. It's just the hardwiring of the mind Mm -hmm. and finding tools that work 100% of the time to grow mutual understanding where it had gone missing, mm-hmm. you know, finding the love that underlies the upset. Yeah. Beautiful. So mm. who would you say were your mentors and teachers in this realm that sparked that interest? Mm. Well, I'd be interested to know whether this was reflected in my chart. I tend to be, I tend to work very intuitively and very much draw on yeah. the resource of my 
life, my learnings, the pain I've walked through really has been the teacher. So I could mm-hmm. actually list a bunch of human beings who I've had wonderful, deep romantic relationship with and the breakdown of those relationships has been my teacher. Um, wow. And, you know, the the young adults that I have been lucky enough to be the father of, they've been my teachers. Um of course, there are some other sort of external sources. For example, my yoga teacher and the yoga lineage that I come from has been a profound addition to what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then out there in the world, there's a few teachers who I always want to listen to. When I listen to them, they their teaching lights me up. And they are Pima Chodron. Mm-hmm. Um, the book When Thing Falls Apart was was very deeply affirming of the work that I do when I listen to that. The teachings of Michael Stone, he has a podcast called Awake in the World. Um, Esther Perel is deeply inspiring to me. Mm-hmm. She's she's Belgian, I believe. Yes. Um, you know, <laughs> I love her, her. her capacity to validate human beings in their experience has been, um, is has always been an inspiration to me. Because at the heart of this work, actually, it's, when we can become masterful at validating ourselves and validating the other, even in the face of our upset, mm-hmm. then what we start to dissolve is the notion that there has to be a right and a wrong. And when right and wrong dissolves, there's just freedom. Mm-hmm. There's what's happening in my heart, what's happening in your heart. And while that's complex and often incongruent and maybe even unreconcilable, it's still deeply true yeah so they they have really really inspired me Sarah Blondin more recently when I listen to her speak about the heart I'm like oh my god yes thank you Mm. yeah (laughs) receiving little gifts yeah of wisdom yeah but primarily the people that I've loved and been loved by yeah yeah I think it's actually, it's it's really inspiring to hear this because I think it's the same for me. Well, actually, like my mom inspired me a lot to like go into this route and like really discover like all of the things of nonviolent communication. But it also stems from my own suffering and pain because I was just like yeah. so much str- like struggling with making myself clear and feeling hurt and taking responsibility for my own shits, right? So... To come back to your question, like you, you can see it in your chart. You have a lot of air, which is like has all to do with communication, right? And the mind. But then you also have like a bunch of planets in Cancer. And Cancer is the divine mother of the zodiac, right? It's like living from the heart, it's like having so much empathy and compassion and wanting to have that heartfelt connection with other people. So it makes a lot of sense that like you work in such an intuitive way in your work. So. Yeah, amazing. So I would love to ask you, for the people who are completely new to this framework, what does conscious communication really mean? Like, what is it about? Yeah, great. So personally, when I hear the word conscious, which I think is used very widely in kind of spiritual or growth circles, it can almost take on this flavour of like elitism like like if we put the term conscious in our program then it makes it kind of valid just kind of like the word sacred if we throw sacred in there into the mix then it kind of gives it a specialness so I think you know the word conscious can can sometimes be used as a bit of jargon Mm -hmm. to, to kind of mean authentic or 
or valid or powerful or whatever. But when I use the word conscious, I really mean getting curious about the ways that we unconsciously, without awareness, create a state of opposition between us and them in moments of uncertainty. So along comes some uncertain moment. You know, I had expected you to meet me at 4 p.m. and at 3.57 p.m. you've sent me a message saying, I'm sorry, I can't make it. So there's a moment of uncertainty. It's not what I'd expected. And then immediately the mind creates this opposition where my experience takes over my awareness. Your experience is not in my awareness. So my mind starts to reach conclusions just based on my experience. And if I speak from my experience, I will necessarily invalidate your experience. And mm -hmm. so the, the avalanche of conflict begins. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so many people, maybe even listening to this, so many people will be like, why? You know, I think I'm pretty switched on. I think I'm pretty clear in my communication. I think I'm pretty empathetic. I'm fairly loving. I do my best at being very clear with the people I love. Why do so many of the moments in my dearest relationships, why are they difficult? Like why do they go so shit-shaped? Like mm -hmm. why, why can't I land my love? Mm -hmm. And the answer really is that there's these, these unconscious mechanisms between us and them that neither of us choose that naturally create the binary me versus you. And from that place, like we're in our corners before we know it. And then speaking from our corners, the more I want to be understood by you, the more I leave you feeling misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And the more you then want to be understood by me, the more it feels like you're not willing to understand me. Mm -hmm. So then naturally this cascade or avalanche occurs. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's it's exciting to introduce people to how they are unconsciously creating opposition between them and those that they love because none of us want it. None of us wake up in the morning thinking, how can I create opposition in the relationships that matter most to me? Mm -hmm. But we are all doing it all the time and the whole world is doing it. That's why the whole world is kind of at war, you know, on various levels, family war, community war, war between nations. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it can kind of be a bit heartbreaking to start with recognising what the mind does and how the mind yeah. creates opposition. But then it becomes liberating because it's like, well, if, if I start to see the unconscious ways I create opposition, then there's an alternate pathway that I can take that actually creates mutual understanding mm -hmm. instead of fighting to be understood. Yeah, so it's about a willingness to sit in that space and really look at yeah. the pain and the suffering from the person that is in front of you without yeah. rejecting your own pain, yeah. right? And yeah. that's when conflict arises, right? It's it's really about like creating more empathy and compassion and creating a win-win situation in that sense. Like how can we like find a way that we understand but each side, and I love that what you said about the wars, I truly believe as well, is like if everyone just did like a little bit more effort to understand each other, you know, have the willingness to listen to one another's pain, then I don't think like there would be like any war. Yeah. 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 You know, and but that, I mean, that, that practice of 
feeling deeply into someone else is is minimized when we are in pain. Mm-hmm. So the more hurt or disregarded or abandoned or criticized I feel, the less likely it is that I can actually reach over into your world mm-hmm. to understand it. Mm-hmm. So instead, I'm just in my experience. And then I just, and then my mind creates this analysis of you. Yeah. It might just sound like you're hurtful, you're unkind, you're mm-hmm. controlling, yeah. you're a narcissist. That's a favorite one out <laughs> yeah. there at the moment. You know, um, it's basically your fault. Yeah. And this is a protective mechanism of the mind in the same way as we look at oncoming traffic and step out of the way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same safety mechanism, it's the same threat response. Mm -hmm. It's just when we apply it to little moments of uncertainty in relationship, it leads us into separation, not union. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, You know, one key component of my training is becoming masterful at hearing analysis and turning it into experience. So if someone comes to me and says, I can't believe you are so unaware of such and such or I can't believe you were so unwilling to to care for me or some form of analysis, what I have to do in order to transform the moment is I have to receive that analysis and translate it into experience. So if someone comes to me and says, that was such a hurtful thing to do, Fish, rather than reacting against that and saying, I I wasn't being hurtful, Um, that's not fair, I wasn't being hurtful, I was just trying to... So rather than going to the normal defence mode, I have to say, clearly, you're feeling hurt. Mm-hmm. And I'm here with you to receive what that might be for you. And, you know, our capacity to be present, stay present to someone else's pain is probably the greatest mastery. Mm-hmm. And if we can stay present to the pain of the people that we love, then we will have deeper emotional intimacy. We will. We just need practices to stay open and stay there rather than retreat and defend, which is natural. Mm-hmm. The defense mechanism in us is natural. Mm-hmm. So it's like what I teach overrides, at least in the moment, overrides that natural threat mechanism. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it sounds really great. I'm also wondering, like, if a couple comes up to you, where do you start out? Like, do you work with, like, the four steps of uh, Marshall Rosenberg or do you have, like, your own framework or own strategy? Yeah, I've got my own framework. I've I've even particularly made the decision to not dive into the realm of conscious communication, of of, um, Marshall Rosenberg's work of nonviolent communication. Okay. Because I feel like staying true to what what I have experienced works deeply that springs from my own experience. Um, okay. So there, I, I understand there are great similarities and one day I'm just going to be so curious that I'm not going to be able to help myself. So first of all, when a couple comes to me, by the way, lots of individuals work with me, not in relationship as well, because they're like, I want to, I want to finally have a a relationship where I get to express my needs and it not Mm -hmm. go so bad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
So when a couple comes to me, first of all, I introduce them to the notion that the mind has a particular mode when conflict arises. When uncertainty comes, the mind goes into this particular mode. It's very black and white. It's very analytical. It's very right and wrong. It's very should and shouldn't. Mm -hmm. It's very your fault or my fault. And from that place, of course, it gets worse. You know, and I start there because I want everyone that I ever work with or that ever listens to anything that I say, I want people to find freedom mm -hmm. to realise that the conflicts that they are in is not their fault, nor is it the fault of the other. It's how we're wired. So that's the first place. Look at this mechanism that con constantly leads us down the path of me versus you. <laughs> Once we see that, we start to have a greater motivation to choose a different path in the moment. We'll notice me versus you arise and if we're masterful, we can reach for some other approach. That approach is starting to see yearning and pain in me and in you. So what I mean by yearning is like, you know, and forget that jargon if it doesn't work for you, but I just mean intention or longing, mm -hmm. what we were wishing for, what we were striving for. And a good way to, to understand yearning is that the heart, yearn, the heart always, always in 100% of circumstances, the heart yearns for that which is wonderful. Wonderful for us, wonderful for them, wonderful in the situation, I might yearn for safety, I might yearn to be understood, I might yearn to feel loved, I might yearn for my beloved to feel loved, I might yearn to um, correct someone so that we have, so that we're working with some accuracy. So the heart's always yearning for that which kind of makes it immediately feel safe and open. And there's a yearning in a me and yearning in me and a yearning in you in any moment, right? And so half half of our motivation is what we're yearning for. Mm -hmm. The other part of our motivation is what we're suffering with, our pain. So what I say or do will partly come from what pain I'm in. If I'm sad, I'll take certain actions. If I'm full of rage, I'll take certain actions. Once we can understand that I have pain and you have pain in any moment and that I have yearning, there's a yearning in my heart for wonderful things and there's a yearning in your heart for wonderful things, then we start to get really quite deeply connected to the truth of the moment. And here's, here's where it gets really interesting. <laughs> Notice all the ways, all the times that you're yearning for wonderful things with someone and it creates pain for them. A great example is, you know, my daughter is 22 and I speak about her a lot because it's been the source of such growth for me being her dad. I often go to express my love for her, just unbound love for her, and how it lands on her is leaves her feeling dad's being too emotional, leaves her feeling overwhelmed, put on the spot, um, embarrassed. 
So this is a critical insight for us in that the way, the, the yearning in our heart that might be to love or to find safety or to find something wonderful will sometimes, actually always in conflict, be received as pain by them. Mm-hmm. That's kind of groundbreaking because we have this conscious assumption, this unconscious assumption that just because my intention is good, you should have received it the way I intended it. And if you don't, like if you get upset with me and my intention was good, then I'm going to, my, my natural analysis is, well, that's your shit. Like that's, mm-hmm. you've got it wrong. That's yours. I'm not going to take that on. Screw you. You don't understand me. Mm-hmm. You took it the wrong way. And so we actually make them wrong for the pain that they've received. Mm-hmm. But this work is let's start to instead consciously assume that in my yearning for wonderful things, I create unintended pain for you. A hundred percent of the time in conflict, I've created some unintended pain. Once I can get curious about that, then I can meet you over there in your pain that you're in. And by meeting you in your pain that you're in, even while I hold my beautiful yearning in the other hand, you will start to feel open to me and we're back in the state of emotional safety. Mm-hmm. So as an example, I've learned to say a lot with my daughter, sometimes my love the way I express my unbound love for you so that I can feel like fully expressed leaves you feeling overwhelmed, unfairly put on the spot, embarrassed, (laughs) suffocated. And when I speak to her that way, she says, yes, thank you. She feels seen in that moment. Yeah. And then we can have a comment. Then I can say, well, how might I go about expressing my unbound love for you in a way that doesn't leave you feeling that way? And she's like, well, you could do it like this. And I'm like, great. So the resolution of it is actually quite simple. Once I can hold the beautiful yearning in my heart and the Mm -hmm. unintended upset I've created for her as coexistent. Mm. Yeah. I love And so then there's another and the second diagonal pathway is think about those moments where you've been hurt by someone and what the mind does is it says because I've been hurt you must be hurtful mm-hmm. because I feel without choice that means you're controlling mm-hmm. because I feel fearful that means you're dangerous so we f- we automatically assume their ill intent based on the pain that we are in. Mm-hmm. The unconscious assumption there is that if I've got pain through what they did, they must be pain causes. Mm-hmm. And here, what we're doing here is creating conscious, conscious assumption that while I've got pain, they likely wanted something that was not my pain. What's mm-hmm. their yearning? What's the beautiful yearning in their heart behind what they did? And I did, a, I did a podcast recently where I spoke a lot about malicious intent because I get messages from everywhere. Every time I post about radical compassion, I get messages from everywhere saying, fish, 
don't be naive. What about all the evil people in the world doing evil things maliciously, intentionally? And look, go ahead and take that view of life. Like, fine, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. It's just that what happens when we start to reach behind malicious intent into the safety they were yearning for, the way that they were desperate for their pain to be seen, the way they wanted us to feel pain because that would have had us recognise the pain that they've been in. When you get really curious, really curious about a much deeper yearning, Mm -hmm. I can say in my experience working with thousands of people, every single person I've ever asked to find some deeper yearning in the heart of another who has caused them pain, Mm -hmm. they have always had this breakthrough of going, oh, my God, (laughs) behind them being so vindictive, hurtful, nasty, deceitful, et cetera, now I can see that their heart was yearning for something that my heart yearns for also. Mm. Now, it's important at this point to say that that can sound like condoning them condoning their behaviour or letting them off the hook. That's not what we're doing, though. Mm -hmm. We're simply saying behind every hurtful behaviour is some valid yearning. Speak to the yearning in them and they will likely acknowledge the behaviour because they feel seen. Yeah. And something to kind of re... re, um, something to help us investigate that notion a bit more is... Notice all the things that we have done. Mm -hmm. Notice all the things that I have done in my life where I have created pain for others. Has it ever been my intention to create pain? No, not ultimately. I was wanting to feel adored. (laughs) I was wanting to feel the heat of attraction. I was wanting to feel not made wrong. I was wanting to feel safe. I was wanting someone to see how desperately upset they made me. So there's there's some always some deeper yearning. And when we work with my yearning, your pain, your yearning, my pain, we're right in the truth of it. Mm-hmm. Right in the truth of it. And any any of those four things, when investigated further, will open our hearts. Mm-hmm. Because all we find there is truth and nothing gets to be cast out from that. No experience that I have or you have gets to not belong, gets to be made wrong. It all slots very neatly into yearning and pain, mine and yours. Mm -hmm. Analysis doesn't fit there, Mm -hmm. but that's because analysis is not actually our experience. It's just what we make. Yeah, we're trying to make sense of it, yeah. Yeah, I love and that. actually the more the more we engage in analysis with each other, yeah. the more we escalate the conflict. Yeah, it's more about like how can you drop out of your mind and drop into your heart and meet there yeah. from heart to heart. Yeah, yeah. I love it that you're Because the mind yours. can't hold, the mind cannot hold those four things because the mind just yeah. goes, yeah, but who's right here? Yeah. <laughs> but the heart knows all four of them. Like yeah. the heart absolutely can feel into any other human being. Mm-hmm. absolutely masterfully in fact mm-hmm. yeah but the mind goes uh what to do and what decision to make and who's right and all about analysis yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. we need to translate mind into heart 
Yeah. And when we do, it's miraculous. You mm-hmm. wouldn't believe. You know, I have people sitting, when I work from Perth, I have people sitting on my couch in my home and there's this immediate, as soon as those four truths come to light, there's this immediate like leaning in, reaching out, holding of the hand, sighing, tears, rubbing of the back. Like it's amazing to see what happens in the physical language once the four truths get tended to. It's incredible. It's like all the fight goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because they're most likely in that moment able to see each other's suffering and pain and can only yeah. have like compassion for that. Right. When we see the pain of the other and the yearning of the other, yeah. and when we see our pain and our yearning, which, mm-hmm. by the way, is often a bit disguised to us because we're just up in the analysis of it, mm. the heart loves feeling into yearning and pain. It loves it. It's compelling. It's the language of the heart. It's mm-hmm. what the heart does best. I know your pain, I know my pain, I know your beautiful yearning, I know my yearning. You know, in a movie, when we are most compelled to cry in a movie, it's because we feel the pain and the yearning mm-hmm. of, the, of that character. So we are instantly, spontaneously opened by yearning and pain. Mm-hmm. What closes us is analysis because yeah. analysis takes the form of this versus that, mm-hmm. which, so, by the way, is a very helpful function of the mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just not, not, not helpful to, to bring us into love. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about pain and yearning, which I really love, like I've never heard that before because I'm used to working with the Marshall Rosenberg framework. So thank you for bringing that onto the show. Um, would you also be taking them into the unmet needs in that moment? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what here for me, the way that I work, the essence of your yearning mm-hmm. and the essence of your pain, if I can speak to the essence of your yearning and your pain, that is your unmet need. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I watch, I watch couples, I watch him say to her, finally, after years of dispute, I say him turn to her and say, my love, I can't imagine how heartbreaking it has been for you. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine how lonely you've felt. Yeah. I can't imagine how dismissed you might have felt. I can't imagine how how protective of yourself you you've had to become after what's happened between us. Mm-hmm. And she immediately opens and and cries. Mm-hmm. Now Often the situation, the circumstances can't be changed. For example, like if we look at an ex-partners trying to co-parent together, the circumstances of separation can't be changed. Like they're going through divorce and maybe that's, that's what one or both of them have chosen. So the circumstances can't change, but we can tend to the pain and the yearning Mm-hmm. And thereby, we're actually meeting the core emotional needs. Yeah. yeah exactly. When my pain is seen, I'm free. And when the beautiful yearning of my heart is seen, even when I've unintentionally created pain for you, more freedom. <laughs> so sometimes there's a what do we do about it, but but that kind of naturally falls out of mm-hmm 
tending to the four needs, the four truths, yearning and pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. so that's the way I work with needs is just articulating the experience of the other right at the very essence, Mm -hmm. right at the very essence. Yeah. You know, I I had a couple working with me recently and to start with, you know, there was situations where he would come following her down the hall, screaming at her, and she would have to hide in the bedroom and lock the door and he would bang on the door. So, like, you know, typically what you would call an abusive relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Well, many people would label it that way. She got to see that his behaviour was a yearning to be heard and the pain was feeling dismissed. And so she became more masterful. As soon as he started to feel a bit misunderstood, she would meet him in in his upset. And then he didn't, then his behavior never escalated. Mm -hmm. Now I'm I will never condone threatening, violent, abusive, loud, fractious, un un un, you know, unsafe behavior. What she got to do is rather than label him as abusive, she actually got to meet him in the need to be understood much earlier. Mm-hmm. So it never escalated. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that is like one of my biggest breakthroughs so far is whenever I feel upset or frustrated or, you know, whatever is going on in my emotional internal world, I just like sit down take a moment to pause and breathe and just start writing down all the needs that are unmet right now. And it's, if it's like the need for being seen or being hurt in that moment, then I'm thinking to myself like, Oh wow, that makes so much sense. Like, and that in itself creates spaciousness for me and awareness to be like, okay, well, if I'm not feeling seen or hurt, how can I let myself being seen and hurt? How can I take responsibility for this? How can I bring that to me? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And give like myself that and meet my own so needs in this way. Yeah. So true. And there's some things that we can do to make sure our needs are met on our own. And there's some things that we might request in relation to others yeah. to make sure our needs are met. Yeah. And it's so funny, Kato, that you mentioned that because, you know, you might think that we are masterful at acknowledging our own yearning and our own pain. But it turns out actually that we're not at all. Most of the people I'm working with at the moment are like, I don't, can't even put my finger on my yearning and I can't even, I find it very difficult to validate my pain. I think it's pain that I shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. You know, so mastery in conscious communication, of course, mm-hmm. means validating the beauty in my heart behind what I did. Mm-hmm. and being willing to clean up the unintended pain and validating the pain that I'm in, like mm-hmm. really, really seeing deeply and yeah. not arguing with myself about the pain that I'm in. Yeah, and not if judging I yourself for it. Both of, yes, yes, and we naturally do. You know, the teaching of yoga is that we've got ragath and devesha, which is like attachment and aversion. So we've got this attachment to certain parts of our experience that we think are okay. And then we've got this aversion to other parts of our experience that we don't think we should be having. You know, have you ever found yourself saying, I don't know why I still feel this way after two years of separation, whatever, or I don't know why I still think that or I shouldn't Mm -hmm. do that. Yeah. We have this internal judgment. Yeah. The teaching of ahimsa, the violence inwards. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we get really tuned into our own yearning and our own pain in every moment, you know, which is a big ask, but that's that's the life practice. 
then I can articulate it to those around me such that I can get my needs more easily met. Mm. And there, thereby I guarantee that the next moment in my relationship is more healthy because yeah. I'm met. Yeah. And so many people say to me, my partner won't meet me and don't quite understand that being met starts with meeting ourselves, like really, really finding a way to tune in and feel the yearning, feel the pain, and then bring that in communication in a way that it doesn't trigger upset and opposition. Mm. It comes an invitation. Um, my, my most recent partner had the most beautiful way of inviting me into understanding her. She would say, she'd say, fish, can I share some upset that I've got that you would never have wanted for me? I love that. Feel how she's holding her pain and yeah. my yearning as coexistent. Yeah. And so I immediately feel like she knows I want joy for her. And she's sharing that she's not joyful. Of course I'm interested. Like I just couldn't wait to sit down and hear about it mm -hmm. because it was the absence of her saying you're hurtful yeah, or you're unkind or you're unaware or you're not enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very skillful. So creating yeah, invitations. Wow. Very inspiring. Is how yeah. we get our needs met. Yeah. yeah, I was going to ask you like how this plays out in relationships because um, my former partner, he, he kind of like saw the beauty of this framework. He understood it, but it felt very unnatural and not genuine to him to speak in this way because he's just like no one in the world speaks like this. So it's, it's weird. So like how can I invite him? into yeah. the space to talk in a, a bit more like a non-violent way as well. Yeah, got it. I love, I love that you've raised that because there's a point in, in a coaching program with me where I say to people, okay, now you understand the structure that we're working with, the kind of masculine structure or container into which our experience can be poured and held to not create opposition. Mm -hmm. Now that you understand how it works, I want you to throw out my language because who the hell says yearning and pain? Like, like let's get realistic. And, and we don't want to leave someone feeling as if they're being processed or coached or, like, therapized. Yeah. Or, and, yeah. you know, this is a big thing in my own personal relationships because <laughs> I naturally use that language and people go, don't coach me. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> oh, my God, same. I wanted to ask you because, like, I had exactly the same experience where I started coaching yeah. my partner and I was like, oh, my God, this is so wrong. Like, how do I stay yeah. out of that field? not at all what they want. And it's not at all what actually we're even trying to do. It's just that we know a pathway that's going to make a difference. So let's use it. Um, so I just have to get very, I just have to, like, have a few goes at saying it authentically and naturally rather than using the words that I tend to use when I'm supporting people to understand it so anyway there's a point in a coaching program with me or in an online program with me where I just say okay here's 10 suggestions about how you might say it otherwise but reach into what feels good for you mm. like just say it in the way that you would say it say it in the way that you know your partner or sibling or or child will best receive it don't get caught up in because, mm -hmm. you know, it's one of those things you need to understand the structure to feel really certain to hold mm -hmm. my experience and your experience together. But then you have to throw the structure away and just feel the spirit of it. Yeah. And the spirit of it is just there's a beautiful yearning and a pain, a yearning and a pain, and I'm just going to explore those and I don't even need to call them those things. Mm 
Mm-hmm. I might say, I can totally understand what you're hoping for. I can see what you've been needing and I can see how shit it's been for you. Mm-hmm. You know, so we can chuck away the jargon. I'm a big fan of chucking away jargon. I, in, in the spiritual realm, you know, if I go to a yoga class and it's all jargon, I'm like, screw this, I'm out of here. Or if I hear someone speaking on Instagram and it's all like spiritual terms, there's no substance. And I'm like, screw this, I'm out of here. So I think we need to throw the jargon out, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the terms are just there to help you understand what yeah. you're doing and how it's different to what the mind naturally wants to do. But then just like just drop into you, just speak from your heart. Yeah. Speak from your heart. Just land in their world and invite mm-hmm. them into yours, however it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Making it your own, but it all starts with understanding the framework. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Thank you for yeah. this. Like, I love it that you brought a lot of examples, which makes it very like practical and tangible for anyone who's listening. This has been really, really great. And I would love to ask you, where can people find you or connect with you? Are there any offerings that you have at the moment? Mm. So on Instagram, I'm James underscore fish underscore gill. Uh, on the web, I'm leadbyheart.com. And what have I got coming up? I've got, I will have some group, small group online coaching programs opening soon, probably starting in November. And then again in January, a new intake. I've got one-on-one coaching. There's wait lists for all my programs at the moment, but I'm also going to be training a bunch of facilitators to work in this way starting next year, so that's going to Mm -hmm. increase the reach. Yeah. And also got plans to run retreats in Bali and the US Mm -hmm. and Australia next year. So, um, And I've got online an online course coming soon. Part of what I'm doing in Bali is taking some retreat time to continue to work on that content so fingers crossed I get that complete (laughs) and open by November amazing thank you so much fun to talk to you So my angels, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please do share it on Instagram. I would love to see your story tags whilst listening to this episode. Just tag me at CutCaitlin. We would absolutely love to hear which episodes you guys have loved the most. And please also make sure that you leave us a yummy review on the Apple podcast or on Spotify because that means so much to us and it really, really helps us to spread the message of this podcast spread it far and near so thank you so much for tuning in i cannot wait to see you again in the next episodes until then keep spreading your light i'll see you soon